0: Well, a very good evening to each and every one of you gathered here in this sanctuary, especially also to those of you who are tuning in. A warm welcome to this, our Saturday service. And as we begin today, looking into the series that we're going to look at, I invite us to just bow our heads as we continue to turn to the Lord in prayer. Shall we pray? So, gracious and heavenly Father, as we come before your presence this evening, We ask of You, Lord, that You will just prepare our hearts to receive what You have to speak to us. We ask of You, Lord, that our minds will be clear, our ears will be able to listen to what You have to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we invite You to come into our midst. Be in this place as we commit the rest of the day into Your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen. Well, Church, today we want to begin with the sermon series by looking into the life of King David, Israel's greatest king. And what's the reason really for looking into this character of David? Well, if you recall last weekend during our cell leader commissioning, I shared from the portion of scripture in Ezekiel 34, and I equate that all cell leaders are equated to be shepherds. And so what better way than to view the life of a shepherd boy who became Israel's king, and then learned from his experiences to what it means for us to be a shepherd leader. But at the same time, some of you perhaps may be sitting there and thinking, you know, what has this got to do with me, since I'm not in any leadership position? Well, and since you know some of you may say you're not in cell leader, you're not the ministry head, you're not even an ECC. Well, I have news for you. I believe we are all. Leaders. You see, if you are a parent, you are already a leader to your child. If you are a teacher, you are already a leader to the students that are under your charge. And if you are given the responsibility over a group of people, you are a leader to them. So you see, no matter what situation you may be in, you are a leader. And in fact, I want to go to record to say that in all saints, I see all of you, all of you as leaders. You see, if we are truly to be a discipling church, then we need to be a disciple. And get this, a disciple is a leader. Because a disciple is one that goes out. A disciple is one that shares the good news. A disciple is one that mentors. A disciple is one who corrects. And all these are the role of a leader. So thus, the first area of equipping for the church as we move forward in this year is really we want to look into this area of leadership. And I'm looking really at leadership renewal here in ASE. I want to see new leaders coming in into our ECC. I want to groom new cell leaders. I want to train more in other areas. Perhaps maybe taking up in other leadership position. And so we find that this series that we are truly embarking on is nevertheless applicable to you and I as we prepare to be equipped as leaders to serve God, or maybe even simply just to serve in the area of ministry. But before we dive straight into this passage, I thought maybe it's good that we share with you something lighthearted to start us off. Now you know that the pandemic has uh, struck many people and especially the, the church services has been closed and well, the story was told that you know, as, the, as, as restrictions began to ease a particular church started off their, their, their services and the Sunday school began to, 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 to start and in one of this particular church the Sunday school teacher you know, started the, the lesson and they decided to do on the topic on David that's what we are doing today and so in this particular sunday school class the teacher was asking the students if you can show the slide who killed koliev i think we all know the answer right david killed koliev and the teacher say okay kids since you've been away from sunday school for so long i will give you a little clue all right it's five letters and the last last three letters begin with vid and one of this guy this boy being a little cheeky he says i know the answer i know the answer and he gave the answer as this. Well, you see, this is what happens ah, when we don't go to church for a very long time. So may I take this opportunity for us to please? We have opened our services. Do come live. Let's not be lax. Let's not be lazy. As some of us have declared that we are indeed lazy, but let's not take this as an excuse. All right? Let's come back to service. Let's worship together in the presence of the Lord. And so, with that, can I invite you now to just turn to our Bibles as we want to look in this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 16? And we're going to first read the first 13 verses. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'll read beginning from verse 1 to verse 13. And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. Verse 4 So Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen this. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. and went to Ramah. Young David grew up in a rather unstable political climate. Saul, who was Israel's first head of state, had a promising start to his reign as king. But now we find that the Lord had rejected him. Why? Because you find that like many leaders of today, power got to his head. You see, Saul interfered in religious affair that was none of his business. And as a result, he ended up having a head-on clash with his mentor and his prophet Samuel. Undoubtedly, this was a bitter and massive disappointment for the older man who had been instrumental in selecting Saul. Now, anyone who has been deeply disappointed by a close friend or perhaps a family member, you can understand why aged Samuel grieved for so long over the king. Israel had rejected Saul's leadership because he was too old. Furthermore, we are told that his corrupted sons were not fit to succeed him as they were guilty of accepting bribes as well as perverting justice. And so entered Saul as the first king of the country. But as we know, things came apart as he did not carry out God's command to totally annihilate the Amalekites, and he even lied about his action. And so as a result of his disobedience, the Lord took away his throne. And this broke Samuel's heart. And so he grieved. He grieved. And in his grief, Samuel must have felt like, you know, a dismal failure as a spiritual father, as a leader, as a mentor. To, 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 to King Saul. But as the words of Ecclesiastes will tell us, there is a time for everything. There is a time to moan, and there is a time to act. And for Samuel, the time to act has now finally arrived. In spite of what he felt, the Prophet had to stop moaning because his work was not done. God ordered him to go to Bethlehem to pick out a new successor for one particular household to anoint as king. And the command, as we have heard in verse one, is simply this: fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. So that's the promise the promise that there will be another king another successor and the king and this successor will be from the household of Jesse and that successor is none other than David the shepherd boy who became king of Israel and so Samuel proceeded he proceeded to this secret meeting to meet up with Jesse and his sons and as we read in verse 4 we are told that one by one Jesse's sons came, they were broad-shouldered, tall and handsome, they, as they each passed one by one, and the first son that came was Eliab. And immediately, the prophet said to himself, surely, surely, this must be the one. But as we know, the Lord's answer was no. He's not the one. You may look at the outward appearance, but I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And so one by one, six other sons came by and each time God rejected them until finally, you know, out of frustration, you know, Samuel must have been very flustered because, you know, he heard the word of God saying that you will pick a successor from the household of Jesse and all the sons, six sons went by. And yet, God said no. So out of frustration, he asked Jesse, are all your sons here? And this was Jesse's reply. There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping sheep. Now, these words seem to give us this indication that young David was not highly regarded by his own family. However, the moment he was brought before Samuel, we are told that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now, had an election be held in Israel to choose a replacement for Saul, it is not very likely that David would have been voted. The world would have favored the wise, the strong, the capable, and certainly Saul would have been man's popular choice. But we see from here that it was not so for the Lord. David would be his preferred pick. And as you look at Psalm 78, verse 70 to 71, this verse tells us that God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfold. From following the, from, from following the nursing ewes, he followed him to shepherd Jacob, his people Israel, his inheritance. So, why did God indeed favor David over his brothers? What endured this young man? To the Lord. From this passage, you'll find that there are several criterias, and the first concerns that of David's heart. You see, as his older brothers pass by Samuel, their great height and their fine appearance mask the tangled and complicated family relationship that they had. You see, Jesse belonged to the high-ranking clan of the Ephratahs in the tribe of Judah. And guess who was his great-grandfather? It was none other than Boaz, the wealthy landowner who married Ruth, the Moabite lady and daughter-in-law of Naomi. Together with his wife, we are told that Jesse raised a family of eight sons, with David being the youngest. And being the youngest, he was sent to the fields to tend sheep at a very young age. And David, in a sense, had very little attention from his father and probably also from his siblings. And that is why you find that Samuel's question to Jesse, are all your sons here, appears to confirm that, you know, they kind of forgotten about young David, that he kind of, you know, they kind of boch up him. We get the sense here that there's a long-established pattern of sibling rivalry and jealousy going on between him and his brothers. And then later on, In the next chapter, you will see that when David visited his brothers when they were out at war, his older brothers did not treat him with with much kindness or appreciation. And so with an aging father who had little time for him and brothers who disliked him, David could have become an aggressive and wayward delinquent always fighting to defy authority just to get what he wants. But David... Was not like that. Why? Because the Bible points out very clearly. Because his heart was right. You see, when Samuel told, saw earlier upon his rejection by God that the Lord will find the kind of man He wants, a man after God's own heart, and now that person had been found, but found in the most unlikely circumstance. Not in the company of a happy home, but in one where there is filled with rivalry and neglect. So what does this teach us? This teaches us, firstly, that God doesn't choose who He wants. Based on size, based on status, age, or experience, that's not important for God. What's important for God is that He chooses what's in our heart. And in what way was David's heart considered to be a heart after God's heart? Well, I believe we can see it in those quiet moments. You know, when David was out tending to the sheep, when he was alone, we are told in the scriptures that he would play his harp, and that he would sing to the Lord. And this is an indication for us that David's heart was pure, that David's heart was always longing for the Lord's presence. He was always longing to be in the Lord's presence. He was wanting to do what the Lord wants him to do. And church, this should be the desire of every disciple. Because if we claim to be disciples of Christ, our hearts must always be longing for what God wants us to do. We must always do what God desires of us. You see, if our heart is not right, it will be difficult For you and I to serve him. Why? Because there will be many distractions in the world. If our heart is not solely tuned unto God, but tuned to elsewhere, we will be distracted and we will not be able to serve him. So the first reason why God chose David was because of David's heart. The second reason for choosing David was due to David's humility. Now compare the difference between Saul and David in what they were doing when Samuel found them. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 22, when Samuel the prophet called Saul, Saul was hiding among the baggage. He was afraid. He was embarrassed, he was hiding. While David on the other hand we are told was keeping the sheep in verse 11. In other words, David here was caring for his father's flock. It was a menial task. It was a lowly task. But nevertheless, he was faithful in doing what he was doing. In other words, we find that here was a man with a humble heart of a shepherd. And God's church today is the flock in need of spiritual leaders with a shepherding heart who will willingly and lovingly care for his flock. It doesn't matter what role you hold or how high your position is, God chooses the lowly and the humble. And we read this in the New Testament where Jesus taught his disciples that if you are to be a servant of all, he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 44 and verse 45, and whoever will be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even James, in this epistle, affirms that God opposes the the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And David was certainly humbled in that he knew his position. Later on in the section in this chapter, we will see this humility of David when he was called into Saul's service. Moving on, as to the third reason why David was chosen, it was simply due to his appearance. Now, some of you may say that you know, why would God want to choose? Why, why would God want to choose people based on their appearance? While the physical appearance of any leader should not be the important aspect, David, nevertheless, we are told had, was was striking in his look. You know, although Saul was recorded that he was a head taller, you know, very much like. Pastor Gilbert, he's a head or two taller than most of us. But according to verse 12, we are told here that David also had very stunning, beautiful features. We are told that he was ruddy. He had beautiful eyes and he was very handsome. In fact, if you go down to verse 18, you find that others who knew him, describe him this way, that he was one who was skillful in playing, that he was a man of valor, a man of war, a man who was prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and more crucially, they recognized that the Lord was with David. It seems that he had this winsome personality, the kind who, you know, who attract people and win over their confidence, and this we will see as we continue on in our study in the life of David. And so part of our equipping to be active disciple in the church, we want to learn also like David, how to be better equipped to better connect with people in order to serve our Lord. But perhaps, of all the reasons, perhaps the main one why God picked David, though it is not mentioned here in our text, I believe is due to David's character and his integrity. You see, in the service of God, an excellent character is essential to success. Character may not be essential for gaining a position in the world. It is certainly not important for getting high ratings in the polls, but it is certainly necessary for doing the kind of work that glorifies the Lord. Bob Cook, the former president of the Youth for Christ International, once said this. He says there is no substitute for character. You can have all the brains, but you can't buy character. So see, God sees character as important. And certainly we find that David was a talented man. He possessed a hand that could expertly play the harp. He possessed a hand that could hold the weapon of a sling very well. But ultimately, what attracted God to him were not these things. We are told that it was an upright heart. And mind you, David, of course, wasn't perfect. David wasn't the perfect leader, you know, that we would like to make him up to be. We find that when he was wrong, this is where his integrity, this was where his character stood out so strongly. When he was wrong, we've discovered that he admitted his fault. He wept over his mistakes, he confessed his sins to the Almighty God, and he even accepted his punishment. That's David's character for you. But unfortunately, society today. As before, seems to value more on the ability instead of character. They emphasize on doing as more important than being. Hence, it's not surprising to find that leaders today, they, you know, when they're accused of breaking the law, they admit to nothing, they blame everyone, and then they run for office again. It takes both the ability and integrity to be the kind of leader that God bless and uses. So if God's anointed cannot, re- cannot maintain clean hands and a pure heart, he or she cannot glorify the Lord. I want us now to look at this last section of this chapter, in verses 14 to 23. And in this particular section, we will end by looking how David, in his humility, served in the court, and it's something that for us that we can learn. So let's look at verse 14 to verse 23, and again, as I read, verse 14, Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you, Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the loud. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So so, 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 Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. "...who is skilful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him." Therefore, Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, "...Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep." And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly." and he became his armour barrier. Verse 22, And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favour in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lull and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Now we do not know what Saul said on that day, when he poured anointing oil over David's head. The historian Josephus records that maybe you know Samuel explained to David the significance of the ceremony. And if Josephus was correct, such intimidation of greatness could have easily turned the head of this young man. But we are told that the spirit of the Lord took control of David and remained with him from day one. You see, David could have arrogantly demanded his rights. You know, that now he was appointed king. He should immediately take over. But instead, what we are told was that he humbly returned to looking after his father's sheep, and he waited patiently for his time to come. And finally, when the time came, we are told that the newly appointed king of Israel when he was summoned to the palace it was not to succeed saul it was not to do some great assignment instead we are told that he was to carry the king's armor and if th- this is not bad enough we are told that he was to be the musician to the king that whenever the humble spirit came he was to play the music and so to soothe the king in short The anointed king of Israel was summoned to the palace, not to be king, but to be a servant. Now think about this. How far this must have been in David's mind when the oil first trickled down upon his head. He could have felt indignant that I'm the king now, you know, yet I'm doing such a menial task. He could have insisted that since he was already anointed, he should kick king Saul out and he should take over his place. But he didn't. Why? Because his heart was right. David's heart was right in the sense that he looked upon this as an opportunity for him to learn and to be equipped. Because think about this. What does a shepherd boy know about court etiquette? What does a shepherd know about duties of becoming a king? the answer is nothing it was only as he served under saul that he was able to gain this necessary knowledge of what it means to be a good king and as he waited he was equipped and to finally god would give him the green light to take over and boy did he wait although he was anointed king he had to wait for seven long years before he succeeded saul as the second and most successful king. And all this was possible because David as a leader possessed a good heart with great character and integrity. And so as we conclude, the key lesson that we can gain from this chapter is that there is really no one that God cannot use. If God can use a young inexperienced boy with his two abilities of only playing the harp and using a sling, God certainly can use us. If God can use a shepherd boy who possesses humility, character, and integrity, God can certainly use us if we have these things as well. But in order to be used by God, realize that David also had to be equipped. Yes as i mentioned some of us here may not be in leadership position in the church right now but who knows who knows perhaps god will be calling you in the future one day because as i mentioned god can call anyone if he calls david as a shepherd boy he can call you and moreover we should be ready to take up this role as leadership because as disciples you and i are leaders and so let me end by saying that it is vital that we rise up today, that we be equipped be equipped to serve the Lord. And as I look into the church over the past year, I'm, I'm very encouraged as I see what, I, what is happening in our midst. In fact, the beginning of the year, I'm very encouraged as I look at what's happening in the cell group. I'm happy that Chen Feng and Iris have both stepped up to be new leaders at Cornerstone Cell. So as Ben and, you know, he'll be now assisting Chin in the Crux this year. I see Dean and I rejoice with Dean. You know, he's doing a fantastic job in equipping and mentoring different ones within the church. And then, in other areas, you know, I'm encouraged also that Louis, from the youth, upon hearing the message about the importance of being equipped and wanting to equip others, she herself brought up and said that she wants to come aboard to be an intern, while she waits for for, 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 for her application to go to university. She wants to serve here in the church to be an intern, but of course subject to Tong Fat and Charlotte's approval. And then as I look up in the screen, I see David and Alicia, you know, they have been equipped since last year to serve in the ministry, and now they are quite provisioned in doing their work. And of course, not to mention White Chong, as I see him sitting right at the back also. As you have heard, how he's now taking up the role, wanting to be equipped meaning the role here in the men's ministry. So, Church, as I am, may these examples and many more inspire us in wanting to be chosen by God, to be equipped by God, to lead, to serve, and to grow. In closing then, I want us to listen to the lyrics of this response song. It's a beautiful song, a song that really talks about this Incident here in First Samuel chapter 16, and as we listen to the lyrics of the song, may inspire us and motivate us all.